Hello and welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, president of Yankee Institute. And because we are winding up 2022 and we believe in going out with a bang and not with a whimper, we are joined today by the one and only Megan Portfolio. And you know Megan, even if you don't know you know her. And we are giving you a glimpse behind the curtain. Remember in The Wizard of Oz where they said, you know, don't just pretend not to see the man behind the curtain. Well, we want you to see the woman behind the curtain because Megan brings something very special to Yankee Institute. And she is the author of the Hartford Portfolio. And we encourage everybody to get ready to read the Hartford Portfolio, uh, especially as the legislative session begins. Megan is a really important and special part of Yankee Institute. And it just seemed really appropriate that as we wind up the year, we shine a spotlight on one of our staffers who does so much to make our work possible and uh, who is such an integral part of our team. So Megan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Carol. Thank goodness this is uh, radio and not uh, TV because I'm (laughs) blushing right now. (laughs) Well, anyway, everybody, Megan says she's nervous, but there's no reason to be and we're just going to have a conversation. So Megan, I think it's fun for everybody to learn a little bit about you and your roots and how you came to Yankee Institute. So let's just get started by talking a little bit. And you grew up here in Connecticut. Yeah, I grew up uh, in Southington, Connecticut. I graduated high school, um, started my career in Connecticut. And then unfortunately, I had to leave for um, my job. I, I had a promotion and I got transferred to Boston, which was kind of a blessing because that's when I really started to be like, what the heck is going on with government? Because like when you live like near the People's Republic of Cambridge, you see a lot of crazy stuff. Oh, you're not kidding, sister. I lived there too for a while <laughs> and you see a lot in the People's Republic of Cambridge. <laughs> so you came back and so your, your dad, what does your dad do again? Uh, so my dad used to work in corporate America um, until um, his company went Chapter 11. Right. So he decided you know what, I, I don't want to work for anyone anymore. Um, I'm going to start my own business and be my own boss. So um, him and my mom decided to buy a little coffee shop in Avon uh, in, nine, I think it was 1994. And they've been open ever since. Well, you might as well give the name of the coffee shop a shout out. So oh. everybody knows to go and have a cup of coffee. There. Well, it's the coffee trade. And if you go, you will probably see my dad in the front of the shop roasting the beans. He imports them and he roasts them right there in the shop. And then uh, and you can go meet my mom at the counter. She'll probably be the one making your uh, espresso or cappuccino. So Megan knows about the travails of small business firsthand uh, because her parents live it. I mean, they know what it's like to try and run a small business and, you know, deal with all the regulations and everything else that go with it. So Megan, what drew you to the freedom movement? Uh, I wish it was one. It wasn't one specific thing. It just, it was just things that kept building up. So in my previous career, my previous life, I was uh, in technical sales and I'd start to go to some of my clients. Some were a union shop, some were open shop. You know, they didn't have to be unionized. And the the non-union shops would tell me all these horror stories about how the unions were trying to sabotage them in order to get their workers to organize and, and, and turn into a, a union shop. And it was it's pretty shocking that that stuff like that was allowed to go on in America. Like you're holding a business owner; it's like their money. You're holding them hostage. Um, so I started seeing things like that. I um, would deal a lot with the state and the local governments. And at the end of the year, I'd always hear these guys call me up. Hey, um, 
I have all this money to spend, and if I don't spend it, it's I use it or lose it. And I'm like, don't you have an issue with that? This is taxpayer dollars. Like, if you don't need to use it, don't use it. Right. So, so, so you mean they would just like it would just be like this big blowathon, blow out all the money so that you would get the same amount for the next year? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of liked it because I I was commission based, <laughs> but the taxpayer part of my brain was like, wait a minute, don't you don't have a problem with this? So it just it started building up, and then. Um, the state decided they were going to raise tolls up in Mass. And I'm like, come on now. I mean, th- that's when it, Mass was known as like Taxachusetts. Right. And so I, I I think I read an article about a group that was organizing to go speak in front of the Mass Transit Authority to, to fight it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go do it. I was really nervous. I probably spent a week writing my speech. I'm like, not a great public speaker. But oh, I, I threw a little comedy in there. I think I threw a Ronald Reagan quote. So it kind of made people on my side chuckle, which, you know, made me less nervous. And I gave my speech. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, I had this bug. I'm like, oh, I, I need to be, you know, more involved in stuff and, and, and stop letting the government do things to me. I think I, I have a voice. They work for me. And we ended up beating them. We were a small group of people from Boston. Now, what and, year was this? Uh, it would have been the early 2000s. Okay. I don't want to reveal my age. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's too bad more people don't think about that. You know, the, the fact that I have a voice and government works for me and I'm going to make my voice heard. And, and you know, we, we can do it. We don't have to sit back and let the government just do things to us. I mean, they have to listen to us. But if we don't tell them what we want, they're just going to do what they want anyway. So it is... I mean, we need to be responsible for our government, and we need to make sure that they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. So you get, got back to, to Connecticut, and? And I felt that um, corporate life was just sucking the soul out of me. <laughs> and I decided, you know what, I'm going to try politics. I think that's where my fit is. And I ended up working um, for a pretty big campaign in the state. Um, it didn't go my way, so I found myself at a crossroads Um you know, do I want to go back to corporate? What do I want to do? I don't think I really like politics so much. And then at the same time, Connecticut decided they wanted to, to impose tolls on the state. So I was like, are you kidding me? I like leave the state of tolls to come to a state that's going to have tolls. So I ended up getting involved in the no toll CT movement. And I believe that's when our paths began to cross. Yes. So um, on inauguration day uh, for Governor Lamont, we decided to go protest the No Tolls group, and we brought our signs. Um, it was peaceful protest. Don't worry. And <laughs> Megan, I would never think anything else. You are you are committed, but you are the soul of the right kind of First Amendment peaceful protest. Go ahead. So then. I kind of fangirled out because all of a sudden I see this guy, Mark Fitch, and I have been reading Mark Fitch's stuff for quite some time. And I was like a teenage girl. OMG. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I and I actually said to him, I'm like, oh, my God, Mark, can I please get a picture with you? Because I will be the envy of all my friends and family. (laughs) I can't imagine what Mark did at that point. He He must have been so embarrassed. He was so embarrassed. But he did take a picture. It was a great picture. And I was the envy of all my friends and family. That is fabulous. And so you came to Yankee. Yeah. So um, fast forward a few months, Mark had texted me out of the blue um, and said, hey, we have an opening at Yankee. Would you be interested? I'm like, "Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And here I am. It is fantastic. And, you know, what's really interesting to me is the, the granular level 
of interest you have in Connecticut public policy. Talk about your hobby of watching TV all day. Uh, <laughs> so I like to call it the Connecticut C-SPAN. Right. Or CTN. And I I sit on it all day long and I just watch and listen to everything, everything the lawmakers are saying, everything all the committee members are saying. And I started just seeing some real crazy stuff. And I'd be like, hey, Mark, this doesn't sound right. And then Mark Fitch. And then Mark would be like, oh, no, that's not good. And he'd start writing stories. So I would just spend my whole day watching CTN and just giving information to Mark so he could follow up with a story. I mean, it's really interesting. As you would be doing your other work, you would be flagging all kinds of things. And the thing that I thought was so interesting is what a nose for news you Mm. kind of have. I mean, as someone who wasn't necessarily, I mean, did you grow up immersed in public policy and news and journalism? No, not at all. I just, I've just always been inquisitive. When I see something, I need to know, like, how does that work Or, or why is this happening? And so it's just because I'm just naturally inquisitive. Well, I mean, which is in itself a sign of high intelligence, frankly. I mean, really, it is. And so um, and and which I thought was really kind of interesting. And the thing that I also was tickled about is, I mean, you, you do you really do have kind of a nose for news. Now, one of the things that people might be sort of interested in is, um, how did you run across the clip of Jane Fonda talking about the pandemic? <laughs> oh man, that was a that was a crazy day for me. I so I feel that in order for me to make an informed decision, I need to hear both sides. So right. I really do like if you were to look at my social media, I follow probably more people on the opposite side of my beliefs because I want to know, well, A, I want to know what bad things are coming up with and B, <laughs> I just want to know where they're coming from so that well, I can it's, make... It's important. I mean, you have to under... I think it's really important to try and understand what people who don't agree with you or I or other, you know, what they're thinking, right? I mean, you can't be an informed person if you just stay in a bubble. Yeah, I just, I'm a big fan of trying to get out of the echo chamber because yep. I already agree with you. So I just need to know what the others are doing. So... One of my hobbies is I like to zoom in to calls from different political parties and just listen to what they're saying. And to my surprise, I was on this working families party call and there pops Jane Fonda, which I'm like, OMG, what's she doing on my call? And all of a sudden she decided to say, hey, COVID's the, uh, what was it, the, 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 greatest thing or God's gift to the left. That's what she said. COVID's the greatest thing or God's gift to the left. And of course, I recorded it. I put it on my Twitter account and it blew up. And that's amazing. And that's how everyone learned about that comment is from you. Yeah, it was really fun watching the news at night. And just, I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's me. That's that's my story. That's and very cool. It's It's amazing. I mean, really, the difference that one person just because you're inquisitive and just because you follow things, just because you want to know how immersed in public policy and everything else you can be. My, my favorite one was when I had got a ticket to the uh, Communist Party Awards last year. And I think it was a Saturday night. And if you remember, Carol, I'm, it was probably about 8, 8 o'clock at night. I could be wrong about that. But all of a sudden, Senator Blumenthal showing up at the Communist Awards. So I immediately text you and Mark Fitch. And Mar- I was like, Mark, are you interested in this story? He's like, absolutely. And that was uh, that was another one that blew up. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and I think it's important just to be exposed to all points of view. It's really something that 
you know, if I think if more people did it, you know, I think maybe we'd all get along a little bit better because we'd all understand each other a little bit more and where we're all coming from. You know, it's just uh, very interesting to be exposed to all that. And so talk to us about the Hartford portfolio a little bit. How did you get on to doing that? Oh, that was uh, that was your brainchild, Carol. Oh well, <laughs> okay. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean for you to say that. I mean, because you know, you have a lot of observations, and there are things that sort of are of interest, I think, to people in our state who follow public policy. Oh, uh, so, so basically, um, this is my routine every morning, especially during session. I get up around six o'clock. I like to read the Wall Street Journal especially the opinion section. And then when session starts, I start reading every bill, even the real boring ones that have make technical changes because sometimes they put things in there. So I really do have a pretty good grasp of what you know what's coming up in in the in the uh, in the session the legislative session. And I just want to flag that for our listeners. You do read every single bill, every bill. <laughs> And Andy Murkowski uh, is our our legislative consultant is estimating there's some three thousand bills coming out. So you know, eat your carrots, rest your eyes, Megan. Well, it's it's easy in the beginning of a session because they like to play this game called the concept bill. Well, they'll just put a couple sentences on paper to basically to keep it as a placeholder so they can put bad things in after a public hearing occurs. So it's not that bad, and <laughs> it is actually really interesting. It's kind of like a puzzle trying to figure out. Oh, here's the statute that they're changing. Well, what are they changing it to? Or what are they eliminating? And that's how we find a lot of stuff and flag right. it for the public. Right. So you so you're you're reading the bills, you get up, you read the bills, and you find some bad stuff that's what, gonna make its way into the portfolio or what? Oh yeah. That uh, so I, I I report on that. I also report on the um the public hearings that happen, the uh, where the public can come in and either they can submit written testimony or they could actually testify in person, which I encourage every listener to do when the session starts. It's so important that we testify and have our input in on these bills. So I read all the public testimonies and I just summarize. I summarize the important bills that are important to our Yankee, you know, our Yankee audience and just to let them know we're watching and here's the information because I know someone that's, you know, nine to five job, they don't have time to sit there and watch CTN all day. No. And, and, you know, that's how we are. You know, when we talk about being people's eyes, ears and voice up in the legislature, this is how we do it. I mean, Megan, you were doing it. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was in corporate, I, 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 you know, read the headlines, right? but I didn't know the nitty gritty and it would have been nice to have had that. Right. No, it's important because people who have jobs, I mean, well, I mean, you and I have jobs, but that is our job is to try and keep track of all this stuff for people whose jobs don't allow them to do it. And it strikes me that that's one of the, the ways that government too often gets a march on those of us who lean to the pro-freedom side is they take advantage of the fact that a lot of people don't have the time or the ability to keep a close eye on them. And that's what we're here to do. One of my favorite ones from last year was there was a bill on the tax incident reporting and how they were going to revise how um, they, they collected their data. Well, hidden in there was this little note about legislative leadership having the ability to request individual citizens' tax return information. Right. 
in, I, in the middle of the spill, Carol. I remember I remember when you were talking about that, and I just thought my head was going to explode. I mean, that's the most totalitarian thing I've ever heard of. And, you know, the idea that just a few legislators, it was a limited number. Mm-hmm. But even so, the fact that they could ask for Megan Portfolio's tax returns or Carol Liebau's tax returns by name and look at our personal and private business without any justification whatsoever. And when you brought that to the table, that's when we we swung into action. Remember with uh, with informing people. Oh, I remember. And that's that's one of the ah. most awesome things about working from Yankee. When we flag something, we just we go after it and we don't stop. No, we, we don't get intimidated and we win. We Well, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> but that's why we're here, because uh, we don't want them to get away with anything. And I remember how pleased we were when they backed down, they took it out, and they said, oh, no, it, it was just a mistake. It was just a mistake. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. I'm glad the mistake's been rectified, Megan. Thank you, Yankee Institute. <laughs> but it is. It's one of those days where it's fun to work at Yankee. Oh, every day is fun to work at Yankee. <laughs> and so, okay, so Hartford Portfolio, and you're going to really be keeping an eye this year um, as they come back, and you're going to be getting those Hartford Portfolios out. And then in your spare time, just while we're letting everybody really kind of get to know you a little bit, talk to us a little bit about the dogs. Uh, so um, I volunteer for this organization called Abandoned Angel Cocker Spaniel Rescue out of New York. And this the woman that runs this organization, she's just a saint. Every penny that gets donated goes right back into the dogs, and she pulls these Cocker Spaniels out of uh, the pound. Well, uh, I don't know if it's pound politically correct these days. I don't know, but that's okay. <laughs> we, we get the picture. And a lot of them have health issues, and she raises money to give them surgeries, but they need places to stay before they get adopted out. So I, I take them into my house. and Yeah, you do, and you take care of them. And sometimes when we're on meetings or something, you know, you'll hear a little background noise at, at Megan's. And, she, you know, I always, I'm interested because I'm a dog lover. And I'll ask her, even this morning when she came in before we got down to recording, and she had run home because she had to put drops in the eye of one of the one-eyed dog that she is currently fostering. Oh, this little old man, Charlie, his poor thing has got uh, one eye and he needs to get a surgery on his teeth and another one on his eye. So they, the rescue just needs me to fatten him up. She said, puff him up and pep him up. Okay, well, I know you can do it. It's really interesting to see the trajectory, actually, of where you've come, Megan, because um, you're one of the people who makes Yankee Institute what it is. You are really tenacious, and you're tireless. And um, I don't know, sometimes I think you are part of uh, the original American spirit, because when I see you bristle at an infringement on the liberties of the people of Connecticut, and the way you bring that to the table, and we we get together to fight it, I just sometimes think, you know, I think that's the original 1776 spirit, and it's alive and well here in 2022. Thanks, Carol. And so um, I'm grateful to you, and I'm grateful to all the partners out here in Connecticut who make it possible for us to have people like you and for all of us to fight shoulder to shoulder to forge a brighter future for 
for the people of Connecticut and for the people of Connecticut to forge a brighter future for themselves and their families. And so uh, I am going to be waiting and watching to see what the Hartford portfolio finds to cover and to bring to our attention and the bills you flag for us and the things we need to spring into action to stop during the legislature this year. Oh, I've already started just checking in with the other side's doing in my spare time at night. I hop on meetings just to get a sense of what kind of things that they want to impose on us uh, next session. So I've already started looking and keeping my ear to the ground. Okay, you keep a weather eye, Megan, because we are counting on you to bring it to us so Yankee Institute can make sure that we are here uh, fighting to keep Connecticut and its people free. Ooh, now I'm all fired up now. All right, good. <laughs> We're ready, aren't we? I'm ready. All right. And thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Carol. All right. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us. This is Carol Platt-Lebow. Thanks for being with us for this edition for YCT Matters. I'll show you around this place I call home.